Hey guys, welcome back to the Next Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Huber, joined alongside by Andrew Christensen. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Julio Jones trade that landed him in Tennessee. We're going to be talking about looking at from both sides of it, what to expect from this Titans offense, what is next for Atlanta, and of course, booking it with Brooks. Uh, this is going to be a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. And Andrew, if you're ready to jump in, let's just go right now. Let's do it. Yeah, so Julio Jones got traded today for a second and a fourth. What are your opening thoughts on that deal? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't think it came to a big surprise to many fans. The Tennessee Titans were at the top of the list for a trade target for Julio Jones. So it's just good to see an offer come through. I mean, we've been hearing about this Julio Jones trade rumors for months now. So it's good to see him finally land at a spot and people can kind of move on. But in the end, looking at what the Titans had to give up for Julio is a little bit shocked. So in the end, though, since the Titans had the 23rd worst team in receiving yards last year, do you think this will can really improve their their team in terms of receptions this next year? I really think so. Julio, he's a stud. You know, for a second and fourth rounder, I mean, that's a steal for Julio, regardless of health and age. And I honestly think a second-round pick is now the ideal asking price for elite wide receivers. We see Julio gets traded for a second. We saw DeAndre Hopkins last year get traded for a second. Mohamed Sanu gets traded for a second. Tell me it isn't so. For the Titans, it's a small risk for a huge payout to get a guy like Julio that can be, who can legit pull half the secondary to the side of his field. And it will do wonders for the team. I expect A.J. Brown to feast and have an insane year this season, cementing himself as a top 7-8 wide receiver. And as far as Tannehill goes, I have him as a borderline top 10 quarterback this past year. And I think he could very well jump into the top six QBs next year because just tell me how he can't. He has a very good offensive line, an improved wide receiver duo that combined for over 1,800 yards last season despite both Julio and A.J. Brown missing games. In my opinion, the best running back in the league. So he has a lot of weapons, and I'm convinced no one has it easier than Ryan Tannehill does right now. And I think he will flourish. Yeah, Brooks, I want to go back to the point you made about how second rounders is kind of the target for wide receivers. Do you think that that is enough value for them, or do you think that's kind of being undervalued? I think they are definitely being undervalued, um, especially how this league's trending. It's a pass-first league. Everybody knows that now. And for star players to get traded for a second round pick like that just does not seem right that doesn't sit well with me that's like Devontae Adams wanting to request a trade right now and having 18 touchdowns last season them just saying hey let's just let's we're gonna ship you off for a second um compared to how much quarterbacks are valued I think it's definitely an understatement that they're undervalued do you think AJ Brown is gonna give up number 11 because I think Julio might have his eyes set on number eight which is what he wore in college and coincidentally enough that's what I wore in my prime when I played basketball in fifth and sixth grade oh I love that we all know Brooks in his prime was an absolute stud so yeah I, I peaked early um <laughs> anyone would be honored to wear the same number as you Brooks but uh going back to your question you know sometimes you see a lot of players giving up numbers when say it's almost like a practice squad player or some guy who is under the radar but a player capable with the capability such as AJ Brown. Think of how many fans, Tennessee fans, have his jerseys and stuff like that. So, True. there comes in more logistics with the number side of things. I mean, 
AJ Brown might not be not, might not care about giving up his jerseys, but the organization itself might care because jersey sales and stuff like that. So I think that comes into more of a play than than people realize. But in the end, whatever number Julio Jones wears, it's not going to matter because he's going to make a huge, huge um, upgrade in their their offense for receiving. Yeah, did you see all the recruiting that AJ Brown is doing for Julio Jones um, on TikTok, Instagram? Do you see all those? Because uh, he was—he's been a Julio Jones fan like his entire life. I think he's one of the only players that I've ever seen wear a current player's NFL jersey to practice. And he did that last year, rocking Julio Jones eleven for the Falcons. So I'm glad they can be on the same team right now. Where do you rank Tennessee's offense? Um, with like the best in the league right now. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Tennessee the past few years, although players like AJ Brown are so explosive, the first thing that comes to your mind is Derek Henry, right? It's Mm -hmm. their run game. They've had one of the best run games these past years. Derek Henry is an absolute workhorse. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to tackle him, Brooks. You might, you might be able to a little bit better than me. Hey, back in sixth grade when I peaked, uh, I don't think without a doubt, I feel like I could tackle him. Right now, I think, I think that's a no. But um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to say at least, he is one of the biggest running backs I think I've ever seen. Well, do so. you think he's gonna reg- his like yardage is gonna regress because you replaced Julio Jones or Corey Davis with Julio Jones, and Julio Jones consumes a lot of targets, and then that'll yeah. take away from a lot of snaps. Yeah, John New Smith left too, and that's some targets too. So maybe it'll balance out, um, and even with like an extra game. Um, but do you think he'll eclipse 2,000 yards again? Where do you see well, him ending up? And that's a good point. And the things that come to my mind with that is, obviously the Tennessee Titans were run heavy on first and second down, right? But when it came to third down and they had longer, they, they went to the pass game. And so adding a guy like Julio, you know, you can almost throw it up to him, get a few yards. He can. He's actually a really good slant wide receiver too. So I think he's going to extend drives a lot, so it's going to give Derrick Henry some more opportunities to get yards. But um, in the end, I, I just think it's a huge overall boost to their offense, and they're going to overall their offensive yardage is going to go up in both categories, I believe. Yeah, I agree. What do you think their records are like? Their record is going to be this year because we know that they'll most likely have a top five offense with the likes of the Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, and Cowboys. But their defense is definitely suspect. It ranked 24th in the NFL last season, gave up the third most first downs last season, as well as the third least amount of sacks by a team with 19. They did address their pass rush by signing Bud Dupree, but they also lost to Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler and replaced them with Janoris Burnt Toast Jenkins and rookie Caleb Farley. Where, where do you see them um, ranking in the AFC South and then overall record? Yeah, I think the thing that's going to weigh them down for sure is their defense, like you mentioned. Um, I just pulled up their schedule recently, or just right now, and they start off the season with Arizona, then they're at Seattle, and then they're at home versus Indianapolis. So Those are not very easy games. Those could either be 3-0 or 0-3, I'm feeling like, right there. And that's what I'm saying, too, is they could start out, you know, I'd like to see them maybe at 1-2 at and two there. Two and one would be tough because beating those three teams, they're all going to be solid. But well, I, I think two and one's the goal if, if I'm them. Exactly, but to ease Titans' worries, 
they do follow those three games with the Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars, which should be two wins for the team there. So even well, if they start up- Don't stop right there, though. Let's see their schedule after that. They play the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams, and Saints. <laughs> so whether it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, that's not going to be an easy game either. So they're definitely going to have to – it's going to be a struggle bus for a little bit down that stretch. Yeah, and I mean, and like you mentioned, they have to play the Colts twice, which I'm I'm really high in the Colts this year. I think they're going to be. Is that because you go to NDSU and you are a Carson Wentz fan, or where does that come from? I'm a I'm a Carson Wentz believer. I think he's got something to prove. I like I like the combination with him and Frank Wright there. So I think they're going to be much improved. But like you mentioned, the Titans do not have a great defense, but who does? The Colts. They have one of the best defenses. So, if anyone can stop the the Titans' new and improved offense, it's a team like the Colts. So, those are going to be two two games when they battle each other. It's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I I guess I don't even know who's going to win the division. Um, I would probably right now just say Titans, just because I would rather bank on. Actually, I don't even know if I would rather bank on that defense than Carson Wentz. Um, I guess, I don't know, I just look at this offense and it kind of reminds me of this year's Brooklyn Nets. So um, it feels like a little worrisome for opposing defenses to try to stop them. But because they're weak defense, I probably do not see them winning more than 9 to 10 games. And I think we could draw many comparisons between this year's Titans team and last year's Cowboys team when Dak was healthy. Great explosive offenses, just not enough defense. And I feel like that could come and bite them um, late next year just because... If their offense just starts underperforming, which I doubt, their defense might not be able to pick it up. So, yeah. do you think do you think they'll make it to you know wild card divisional you know Super Bowl? Where do you see them finishing this year? Well, I mean, looking at their division, although Jacksonville has a bright future with Trevor Lawrence, they are definitely going to struggle this year again, I believe. So, um, obviously, like the Titans over Jacksonville, same thing with Houston. Houston has a has a good team, but we've seen them really struggle in the past. So I like the Titans to win at least three, if not all four of those games when they when they face Jacksonville and Houston twice. But it's going to come down to them and the Colts. And I, I do think the Titans, with how much power they have on the offensive end, could come away with one of those victories. So I could honestly see them walking away with the division. If not, it's going to be it's going to be a battle with Indianapolis. Yeah, I think they could honestly end up 5-1 and one in the division just looking at how the Colts are just their only their only tough opponent, and I think they can split with them. Um, yeah, I think this part of the deal that's not really getting talked about enough is Atlanta's side. Um, so let's just transition there. It's not really being talked about because it's not the flashy side. It's not where Julio's going, but we got to talk about it as well because what does Atlanta do from here? They took Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall pick in this year's draft, and they didn't take a quarterback, which I thought they would. Do you see them being competitive or headed towards a rebuild? Yeah, I mean, losing a star like Julio Jones definitely hurts on the offensive end, but if you're going to replace him with any unique, explosive weapon, it's a guy like Kyle Pitts. So although Julio has the more experience, Julio definitely is a more talented player because we haven't seen Kyle Pitts. Um I am a Pitts believer. I think majority of people are. So I think he's definitely going to fit in as a good replacement there. Um, but we did see Kelvin Ridley have an absolute breakout season last year. And I I assume that he's going to build off of that. Do you think Kelvin Ridley is going to have 
an even better year than he did last year? I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I think the targets are going to be there for him. But just talking about how now it's not going to be Julio on the other side. It's probably going to be Russell Gage or Kyle Pitts. Um, I think it's up for debate. Um, but yeah, with the Julio Jones trade being official, I think it's safe to say they're headed towards a rebuild. What is interesting, though, is that Julio requested a trade before the draft, and the new Falcons front office knew this and knew that they were probably heading into a rebuild at this point and still decided to go with Kyle Pitts, which I'm kind of shocked about. And hey, look, I love Kyle Pitts and everything, but you're sitting there at the fourth overall pick, your star receiver for the past decade requests a trade, and you have a, what I think is 35-year-old quarterback in Matt Ryan, who you can start to tell his production is trending downward. I just don't know how you don't take Fields at four. Every sign is pointing towards a rebuild, and I get it. You take a guy who will most likely be a star in the league, but it is really in a need for your team who has a very weak roster. Give you guys credit, Falcons. You guys' defense is young. But you guys lost a lot of pieces and has a lot it has not been good in the past few years, so I just don't know what the future holds for Atlanta, and I would expect him back in the top five next year taking a quarterback, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, I mean, one thing that relates between the Falcons and the Titans is their defense, right? They're, they both have weaker defenses and, and definitely need a lot of improvement on that end, but looking at the offensive-wise, the Falcons had a very underwhelming se- season last year. They definitely did not perform to the level they're capable of. So, you know, I hope for their sake that they can come out and play a little bit better, but I don't see them as a playoff team this year, especially after what we saw last year. Well, I just don't think there's any way they win more than six games because losing Julio, that's just so much. Like I said earlier, you can legit shut down an entire half of the field just because the secondary is just so worried about him, which I think freed up Calvin Ridley a lot to do – have a phenomenal breakout was a third season a third season in the league so i just don't think they'll have enough talent to put wins on the table i was you know maybe on the falcons hype train if we was staying but now that he is officially gone i just think i just think it might be a little bit tough for them to win some games but it's not like they're gonna be throwing balls to nobody you know they still have matt ryan they signed mike davis they still have hayden hurst they have kyle pitts kyle pitts will probably be a wide receiver tight end in his first year and they still have guys like Russell Gage who played very well down the stretch. Um, and then, of course, Calvin Ridley. So it's not like they have nobody in that offense. It's just it's now a little less scary with Julio gone. Do you yeah. see him like how I see him in back in the top five or no? Yeah, when you bring up top five, I see him performing a little bit better than that just because although Matt Ryan isn't the most talented quarterback, you know, is not very mobile, and we've seen kind of a transition in the NFL to more mobile quarterbacks. Um, I do believe he has the experience on their side, and, you know, as the listeners know, we aren't too many years removed away from that, that Super Bowl choke that they had where they were down big to the Patriots, and the Patriots came back, so they're not too many years away from that, um, and, and so I do think they still have talent, especially with guys like Kelvin Ridley, um, new and upcoming Kyle Pitts. They got some young, talented players on defense. So I definitely see them in the top, you know, 10, maybe maybe top eight. But I think oh, they're going to be, yeah. Okay. I, but I'm hoping that they can perform a little bit better and get outside of that that top five. So I'm a, I'm a big Kelvin Ridley believer. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be able to kind of provide a burst on that offense this year. 
Do you think that they made a mistake knowing what we all know now with Julio Jones gone? Do you think they made a mistake not taking Justin Fields at four and kind of kick-starting the rebuild? Or do you think they made the right choice with Kyle Pitts? Well, with their cap issues, I think everyone pretty much knew it was it was evident that Julio Jones was kind of out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been with the Falcons, so I think some Falcons fans were holding on hope since he's been there for so long. But in the end, the organization had to have known that Julio was going to be out. So I think they went in with that still believing in Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has, you know, been been kind of reliable for them for the past years, but. In the end, I think I think it came down to them, not not whether they should draft a quarterback or not, but whether Justin Fields was a player for them, and, and maybe their organizations just didn't. Yeah, maybe they didn't like like him as a prospect. Like, I understand that, but like if they just like didn't want to take him, just wanted to take Kyle Pitts because they still felt like they could contend, then that's where I disagree with their decision making. Because how I look at it, the Kyle Pitts move was kind of like them saying that hey we can still we can add another weapon and then we can try to contend which i don't think that at all for them so well, if i was because in my mock draft like a day before the draft i had them taking justin fields because i heard like the rumor mill about julio i know if like the rumors were true but i thought hey that's something that could happen maybe they take um justin fields to kind of kickstart this rebuild um they obviously did not but 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 this is my opinion, Brooks, is I think the organization is like, okay, how many years out are we from competing? And I think their answer is at minimum three, four years, right? So they're looking at it. They're like, do we draft a quarterback now and try and develop him? Or do we get some weapons around, develop Kyle Pitts? Kelvin Ridley is still a young guy. He's got a bright future. And maybe they have a guy targeted for next year. Like you said, they're going to be, you know, probably at the top of the draft. So maybe they have a guy targeted for next year or the following year, and they're trying to develop a team around him because we've seen Matt Ryan play extremely – he's played well in the past. We saw right? 2016 he's... MVP Matty Ice. But that's what they... I'm saying is is we have – there's been teams that have been able to compete around – average quarterbacks with a solid defense with stuff like that. So I think they're focusing on other areas and I think they have a guy in mind here for the future. Well, yeah, cause you look at this next draft class, just two names that come to my mind right away are Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Yeah, so so, you, so you will they be high enough to take a guy like that? And then I don't know what Matt Ryan's contract is like, but like, let's say he has two more years left. You keep him on just say, you know, kind of mentor one of those quarterbacks or, do you yeah, ship and, Matt Ryan off somewhere? Like and, maybe, maybe maybe Washington, because I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be there for more than a year. I think he's going to retire after this season. Could yeah, Matt Ryan yeah. next year, if they take a quarterback, ship him off to Washington, and then Washington becomes a contender? So that, That's something to think about. Yeah, and the way you should look at it too is, so they – you name those two quarterbacks that are going to be in this draft class. So they could take Kyle Pitts this year and one of those quarterbacks next year, or they could take, they could have taken Justin Fields and paired him with a tight end in next year's draft class or wide receiver in next year's draft class. And, and maybe they believe the wide receivers and tight ends aren't even close to as talented as Kyle. Pitts. Well, I don't even think they needed to take a tight end or a wide receiver because you but, look at how terrible their defense was last year. Sorry, my boy foyer, but like, I just, if I were them, my strategy would have been to take Justin Fields at four or trade back and then 
and then you know accumulate more picks for the rebuild, and then take a top defensive prospect. Like yeah, they would have traded back is, with. And this is the thing: is is the reason we talk about Kyle Pitts is because he's not a traditional tight end, right? He can exactly. line up as a wide receiver. So and, and if, they, if they know Julio's out the door, they draft a guy like Kyle Pitts, who is considered a tight end, but honestly has a similar frame to a guy like Julio. He he's going to be a wide receiver come payday, um, in four in five years. Yeah. So and, I mean, and what what I would have loved to see is them trading Julio for a quarterback like, say, Jordan Love, a guy. I would I would have loved to see that as well. I, I thought that would have been the smartest choice. Way more than drafting a guy like Justin Fields. I I don't know. I'm not as high on Fields as I think others are, but I mean, if they could have traded Julio for a quarterback and and paired him with a guy like Kyle Pitts, that would have been. That would have been an absolute steal, and I think it would have been a different conversation than what we're having right now. Yeah, you know, like I'm not like discrediting who Kyle Pitts is as a player. Like I love Kyle Pitts, and I think he's going to be phenomenal in this league. I'm just looking at their current cap situation, how the way they're trending, and I think a wide receiver tight end is not the best addition for them, considering all the holes on their roster. But with all this being said, let's now transition to booking it with Brooks. Andrew, do you want to? Do you want to kind of explain the rules of this final segment of the podcast? Yeah, so booking it with Brooks is our iconic section where I ask Brooks. It's the people's favorite. It is, it is, and people keep asking for more. So we got to give the listeners what they want. So the way booking it with Brooks goes is I'll ask Brooks three separate questions, and he has the tough decision of deciding if he's going to book it or not. So. With all that being said, Brooks, are you booking it that Julio Jones will surpass 100 receptions? You know, with his injury concern, his injury history in the past, and the way you have Derrick Henry in that backfield, and you're going to be sharing, you know, targets with A.J. Brown, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that he's going to get in the 80 to 90 range. He's still going to be productive. I still think he's going to get 1,300 yards and about, you know, seven-plus touchdowns. Um, but I, I don't see him getting that many receptions because he has to share so – you can't get the ball that much with Derrick Henry getting as many touches as he gets a game and A.J. Brown who gets a lot of targets a game. And, yeah, you know, John New Smith's gone, but I think Anthony Ferkser is going to be a threat in the red zone. So that could take away some targets um, down there. So I'm not booking it. Yeah, and I want to stay here for a little bit, Brooks, because I think we talked about, you know, the the side for the Titans and the side for the Falcons, but we haven't touched a ton on Julio Jones and how he's going to be this next year. And so the reason I brought up 100 receptions is because he hasn't surpassed 100 receptions since 2018. Um, Like a lot of people know, he only played nine games last year because of injuries. Do you think Julio Jones can stay healthy this year? I mean, it's really tough, you know, it's tough to like predict injuries or not. I would really hope so. Uh, And with 17 games, I think it'll be a lot easier for him to get 100 receptions. Um, But I'm just, I'm I'm not feeling it right now. I just, I'm not liking how it looks. Their offense is going to be so stacked and there's not that many targets to go around with how much Tennessee runs the ball. So how many how many receptions did AJ Brown get last year? Because he was also he was injured for a few games. Um, let me just pull this up real quick. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point. While you're pulling that up, I'll just touch on the fact that 
Julio Jones is getting older, and so I don't think he's going to Tennessee being like, I yeah, he's 32 right now. I don't think he's going to the team saying, I need at least 120 receptions this year. I think he's going in with the mindset of, I want to be a key player. I think he truly believes the Titans are contenders. So I think he's content getting whatever lo- workload is given to him. Um, but but like you said, did you, were you able to find? Uh, yeah. So A.J. Brown had 70 receptions. I think he missed like three games. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty respectable. And I think with Corey Davis, you had to share snaps with him and John New Smith. So it's possible. But I'm erring on like the slightest of him not reaching 100 receptions for Julio Jones or his birth name, Quintorius Lopez Jones, which I think is a lot more fun to say. Um, <laughs> I, I actually did not know that. So you learned something. You didn't know that? I didn't. You but... must have not seen my post on top five landing spots for Julio, which I definitely got wrong, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I but, call him but... Quintorius on there. Love it, love it. Anyways, to kind of summarize this too, the Titans were 23rd in receiving yards last year out of out of all the teams, and the Falcons were 5th in receiving yards. Also in 2019, Falcons were 2nd in receiving yards. In 2018, they were 4th in receiving yards. So he definitely, the Falcons were, have been for the past three years, a top, you know, five team in receiving yards. And a big reason for that is they were a pass-first team. Now it's a totally different script in Tennessee where they're a run-first team. Yeah, I agree. What's the next topic for, or next take for booking with Brooks? All right, Brooks. Staying on the Tennessee Titans side, do you think that Derrick Henry will rush for over 1,700 yards? And so, like you mentioned, since there is 17 games in the season, that will be at least 100 yards per game. Yeah, I'm going to book that one. Yes, that there's going to be more passing with Ryan Tannehill and how I think he's going to be. He has an opportunity to be a top six quarterback. I still think that Derrick Henry is going to get 100 yards a game just because he plays Jacksonville and um, he plays Jacksonville and Houston um, four times in a season. And that right there, he usually accumulates over 800 yards in those games just because of how poor their defense is. So I think he'll. Well, rather it'll be close. I think he'll get like, you know, 1750, but I think he will um, get over that threshold. And I'm really excited to watch this Tennessee offense in action because there's a lot of unknown, you know, there's just so many, so many different dynamics when you have two players like Julio Jones and, um, and Derrick Henry in the same offense. It's kind of like how the Brooklyn Nets right now, you know, two players that, you know, need the ball in their hands a lot and it'll be, I'm curious to see how that's all going to work out because there's only one football there down there in Tennessee. So, Yeah, that's a good point. And it is important to note, too, that the, the Titans did depart from guys like Corey Davis, who who did get some targets there. So, Yeah, Corey Davis uh, be- and Janonu Smith. Yeah, both got, both got so, a good amount of targets. So people think that the addition of Julio means they're going to pass a ton more, but at the same time, they're losing a lot of receptions. So that opens up, you know, the door for Julio to get more receptions there. And I I do believe that the run is their bread and butter. You know, people haven't been able to figure out Derrick Henry these past few years. They haven't been able to I don't think it's more about figuring it out. It's just like trying not to get stiff-armed into, you know, the earth. It's kind of like, 
you can try to figure it out, but that doesn't mean you're going to be stopping that freight train. So, yeah, I mean, no he's going to, if you're, if you're right in front of him, he's going to run right through you. So it's not, you can have the game plan set and everything, but if you're not. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of the question of, do you want to end up on a highlight reel getting stiff-armed, or do you want to let Derrick Henry rush for 200 yards on your team? Yeah, do you want to let Derrick Henry rush for 200 yards, or do you want to end up on next week's injury report? Um, I think that's definitely, I think that's kind of the back of players' minds. Um, it was not in the back of Josh Norman's mind, as we all saw that famous stiff arm, um, but it should have been. I think it should have been a business decision for everybody. It's kind of like when in the NBA, when you go for a dunk, and they kind of just get out of the way. Yeah, that's what people need to be like with Derrick Henry, and then just you know, you know, come out like the sides. Don't try to attack them head on. But um, yeah. Anthony Edwards dunk this past year. You just get out of the way. But to to end this question, Brooks, since we're talking about Derrick Henry, what running backs would you rank over him? What would you rank him overall in running backs in the league? Right now. Yeah. He is numero uno. Wow. I have him at number one. Wow. And it's by a, a fair margin, just because we haven't seen a guy like him playing in a long time. Um, and a guy that can just put his head down. Yeah, we saw Marshawn Lynch, but I think Derrick Henry's a harder runner than Marshawn Lynch. Um, and, it, and it's crazy, too, because the NFL is evolving towards more... A passing attacks. attack. Yeah, you but then there's Derrick Henry, who's just bodying kids left and right. You have guys like Kamara who are known for you know their impact in the their passing game guys like McCaffrey who you know gets a ton of receptions too so it's kind of crazy how Derrick Henry is so different than the other backs in the league but he's able to really just thrive in in the running game and yeah people are going to take Christian McCaffrey because of his you know being able to catch the ball more but I mean who I would rather have a guy who can just legit run over anybody than a pass catcher I mean, that's just like my preference. I think Chris McCaffrey is an amazing running back, but Derrick Henry, who has had no injury history, uh, came off a 2,000-yard season. Um, I think it's no-brainer that you call him the best running back in the league um, just because, you know, look at his, look at all the stuff he's done in his career. So I don't think there's a reason that you don't put him at number one. Yeah, and each game it seems like he's the guy that will break off a long run, so... When you, it's when either you, him or Nick Chubb every single time. Those two guys are so much fun to watch just because any run of theirs can go for 60, 80, 99 yards. So. Yeah, for sure. But moving on to the Falcons, are you booking it that Kelvin Ridley will have over 1,400 receiving yards? Absolutely, I do. We saw last year he got like, what, 1,374 um, receiving yards, and he only played 15 games. You give him two more games, and I get it. You know, Julio Jones are going to be putting a lot more attention on him, and that is true. But that he's a dude. He is a dude that when the ball is in his hands, he can he can make people miss. So I really like him as a receiver. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL right now, up there with DJ Moore. So I, I think he will get like fourteen fifty, possibly fifteen hundred. Um, but I. I think that might be pushing it a little bit. But, yeah, I do see him getting over 1,400, though, um, just because of how many more targets he's going to end up getting. So adding a little bit of fantasy football into this podcast, Brooks, do you think this really um, elevates Kelvin Ridley's you know, draft, draft spot this year in fantasy drafts? 
Uh, yes and no. Like I said, you know, teams are going to be paying more attention to him because Julio's gone. But then I think also, yes, because he's going to get more targets. He's going to be Matt Ryan's go-to guy now. So I think I think it will help him for fantasy. I think he'll, he'll have a better fantasy year than he did last year because I know fantasy managers that had him the previous year were very thrilled with him, and I think the ones that have him this year will be even more thrilled. Yeah, and, you know, you booked that he'd get over 1,400 receiving yards. Julio Jones had over 1,400 from the year 2014 all the way till 2018. And then in 2019, he was six yards short. So if we count that, he went and exceeded that mark from 2014 to 2019. So Matt Ryan's not afraid to sling the ball down the field. And no, and, and even I at this stage of his career. And I mentioned it before, too, the Falcons' past three years have been fifth, second, and fourth in receiving yards. So definitely a pass-first team. Kelvin Ridley is one of those guys, too, no matter who's matched up on him. His quickness, his speed is cutting. He's able to uh, get some separation from even some of the best cornerbacks in the league. Yeah, I think that about sums it up, don't you think? I think we talked about almost everything, if not the whole thing of the Julio Jones trade. I think we covered it very well. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Um, we're going to be trying to do these every Monday and Friday, putting them out. So make sure to you know follow, subscribe, give us five stars, wherever you're listening to this too. We appreciate you so much. And uh, we'll see you later this week. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later.